Hello, and welcome to episode six of Creeping on Congress. This is a podcast where I, Jocelyn Burton, along with uh, my friend, Devin Miller, kind of uh, investigate the goings-on in the legislative branch of our totally not-oligarchical system in the United States. As I said, my name is uh, Jocelyn Harvey, uh, lead latex tester for Lusty Lady LLC, and with me is uh, Devin, lead researcher at the Wide Clasping Cheeks of Boiling Hot Partially Digested Understanding Institute, or the WCCBHPDUI. Hi, Devin. How are you? I'm always here to chug directly from the hot ring of knowledge. <laughs> um, I think we were we were talking pre pre pod about um a variety of things, but namely our favorite aspects of uh, little um <laughs> not to not 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 um, to 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 as they say yuck anyone's young not to king shame but like okay. I, all right i, I legitimately okay, am more on. into my my most cringy fetish than people saying don't yuck my yum <laughs> i would rather them talk about in detail the weird things they do with their partner cons- uh, consensually than say the phrase yuck my yum that is why i said it it is an unbelievably cursed phrase uh so not to mm. let me get close to the mic yuck anybody's yum mm. but uh i hate that almost as much as the phrase fluid bonded what i'm sorry what <laughs> you don't know what fluid bonding is no <laughs> it's when you raw dog it yo is it is yeah. it like that the thing where See, um, oh me and my partner just uh me and my my partner just became fluid bonded yeah oh Christ no yeah rewind rewind get this knowledge out of my head <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna say it had something to do with like chemistry like actual science chemistry yeah. and not like yeah you know, well I mean romantic chemistry there's chemistry involved yeah is this does this have to do with you the like the whole thing where people believe that if you if you come inside someone like you take up their dna and like know them better on a cellular level and stuff you heard of that yeah sounds suspicious i to think me. that's something alex jones believes probably which is why he is an ouroboros of come so he can constantly know himself better the fuck are we talking about even like 30 seconds ago how did we get here look oh ddlg okay yuck and yuck and yuck okay i was just gonna say uh all intentionally awful nomenclature aside you know do do whatever you want to do with your consenting partners like it's you only have so much time in this world get fucking weird with it but uh i am personally glad that i'm seeing a lot less uh of the bigs and littles um discourse on the internet and people talking into huh. big and little voice because my oh, thing no. is i never really wanted to be in nor consented to be in in that kink with you so please don't do that at me <laughs> i don't like it it Devin. is weird yes Devin, hmm. i'm sorry <sighs> <sighs> What's the opposite of cummies? Because you just gave me ten of them. <laughs> Slurpees? Shut up! <laughs> I um 
I dated at one point someone who was uh, definitely into age play, and that had to be like a hard limit on my part. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, I'm 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 glad you have the ability to find that with someone, mm-hmm. um, but it's not here. I have a heart. No, that's, I, a, that's a no. Thank I, you. I feel like uh, age play. You know, you say that, and we kind of have an idea of, of what that generally means, which is like a um, much more sort of authoritative or, or nurturing adult figure, and then like a sort of guileless uh, child figure. Uh, role play situation but technically age play could be like okay for this i am 33 years old and you <laughs> are 30 years old oh ooh, sexy <laughs> this is getting kinky as hell <laughs> that's a nut in my adult diaper. I um look, they're all diapies. We don't need to say whether it's an adult diapy or you know what, uh, baby diapy. Probably true. I don't know enough about diapies to make that dis- discernment. So, gonna well, going to, to uh, do your research. Take a step back and defer to the expert. I mean, if there's one thing, it's it. What in order to sort of switch it around to to our topic, given the sheer size of uh, the legislature of our country Mm -hmm. there there has they like with a group that size there has to be like the full gambit of weird sexual oh yeah you know i think about this a lot with anytime i think about um any like conglomeration of of a large group of people uh anytime I, i stop and really think about that and then start to like apply the averages it it just it does it makes you look at it in a really different way. In fact, I would even say that there are probably certain freak ass kinks that are overrepresented just by the nature of the self-selecting type of, of group that ends up in politics. I wonder what that is. Right. If you, if you enjoy imposing like laws upon large swaths of population, yeah. Uh, you're going to have some weird shit going on in your bedroom. My guess is it would, like you know, the the rube answer would be like, oh yeah, they probably like like to do you know, be really domineering and order people around in bed. But I don't know. I think a lot of times, whatever it is you spend all of your time having to do in like the quote unquote real world, I feel like uh, it is a common response to then sort of want to do the opposite role in the bedroom. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know a fair number of them are, are being ridden around with piggy noses and getting their ass riding cropped and whatnot, sort of not having to be ordering around and in charge. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the, from what I've noticed from sex workers who I've talked to is, um, it, while it is along that expectation, like the, you know, they're not in control. There's someone else in control. Mm -hmm. The, uh, kind of the flip side of that coin is it, because there's a consensual like professional situation going on in that mm-hmm. way most of the time they still have the majority of the control for that that's true i guess it's an implied control yeah it, it, it's it, it's a controlled situation where they can be they can't they feel safe doing that because at, at the end of the day they are the one they still in feel, feel like they owe situation. you yeah yeah hmm. yeah so it's it's a um, it it's a way to ensure that it is a safe space for them in that sexual situation because they have arranged it themselves and it's you know 
kind of modified specifically tailored for themselves. Yeah. So I, and that, and yet they'll always pass laws against sex work. Now yeah. Like, it's, uh, but you know that therapeutically there's a, there's a place for that. It's the same thing as people who are like the only uh, moral abortion was my abortion. Everyone else is just, you know, irresponsible and needs to, to, to grow up. And, and, you know, it, it's those things where like, and I think this uh, commonly, we see this on more conservative uh, ends of the political spectrum, whether that is, you know, Democrat or Republican. Uh, there's, um, a, they have difficulty empathizing with something that they themselves have not undergone. So uh, they can see why they deserve to have access to sex work, but they can't see why sex workers deserve to, you know, have bank accounts and operate above board and like how that is a stressor on them. Uh, I think, you know, they, they like yeah. the, the control that it gives them. They like the uh, illicit nature of it, the way it makes them feel would be my guess, which is dumb and bad. Or even and if they it should was something, even if it was something uh, that, is immoral to them in terms of their stances now, say, for example, like abortion. Yeah. Even people who uh, will admit to or who it's revealed have had like abortions in the past will use that as like a, like, you know, it was, and, it was a mistake that and they And that's what they, I realized. It was horrible and I made the wrong choice and I'll yeah. never, I'd never let anyone make that mistake again. Yeah. Like, Alex Jones just went on a rant this past week about how the United States is doomed specifically. Uh, it, it, it sealed its fate with Roe v. Wade. Alex Jones admitted to having like 10 or 15 abortions done. He constantly thinks about the babies that the sweet babies that I had vacuumed up. <laughs> and I'm just like, holy shit, dude, you're a fucking, but like, I, uh, but when I think of that, I think of all the other, like, there has to be like legislators out oh, there who for are, sure, yes. you know, anti like anti-abortion, but like have definitely not wanted to ruin any hopes that they had at some time for, you know, the future by getting that done. Yeah, and how it would one hundred percent look different if a uh, male legislate like, you know, male government person did it versus if a woman did it. Oh yeah, it, um, definitely one of those things where where like. The, the intense aggravation of seeing, you know, some state or federal council on women's reproductive health, and it's all 85-year-old white men that look like uh, a Mr. Potato Head just made a ball sack. Yeah, and who think that, you know, uh, you you can't get pregnant unless you make the choice to accept the life oh, that's so, okay. coming into uh, you. Uh, uh, speaking, getting back to um, dumb politicians, I wish I could remember who exactly who this was, but it's it's some like some new guy helping out with Biden's campaign uh, said something to the effect of he doesn't believe Tara Reid because uh, the, a finger couldn't enter a vagina of a standing woman unless they wanted it to happen because of the angles. And it's like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Man. Like, do they That's... just not, like, have they never seen one? Do they not have health class? I I mean, I'm at a loss. Have you, all right. 
there's there's so much there there's so much there to think about, but also like <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. There's so much to unpack. You like you don't understand power dynamics and like coercion to the extent like even if it was Im- impossible, like manipulating yourself to make it happen, like that. Jocelyn, even, beyond but like, before, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen any porn? Right, but, but they before they even get to the like every contortion, the, the, the abstract and innumerous qualities of power relations, this dude did not understand the physical relationship of a standing yeah. up vagina. Yeah, he's like, well, it, it can't open unless it's laying down in missionary position. Yeah, I mean the body has way of shutting that whole thing down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish okay, I could I'm starting to understand why, like so many men in the Victorian age had deep seated, firmly believed terror that their wives, vaginas were, had teeth in them that, that were going to like bite them and bite off their dicks and stuff. Because there, there's just like, my God, is that ever a sight of, uh, all caps psychology for <laughs> repressed dudes. Yeah, I'm. Ugh. I hate it. <clears throat> but um, uh, should we get into? Some yeah, stuff yeah. What, what if we just spent movie? 14 minutes of our dear listeners' time doing whatever that was? Sorry, listener. Yeah. Know that we I, love I you. I could edit it down. But Don't do it. Fuck you for mm-hmm. listening, <laughs> dear listener. We hate you. I um, love you. So listen to it. On to the next part. We've been uh, paying a fuck ton of attention to the House of Representatives over the past few weeks, months, so time. Um, And largely that's due to the fact that Senate hasn't been in session because, um, uh, you know, they're out because they're like, well, coronavirus, let's not do that. Despite the fact that the House can sort of operate on a, you know, semi-like regular basis. But I still don't understand why they, they can't just telecommute this shit. Like, it's just them giving a PowerPoint presentation and then saying yay or nay. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to look into that. I know, like, for example, um, when uh, crazy conservatives will talk about how the Federal Reserve, you know, for valid and invalid reasons, say, isn't, like, a legitimate uh part of our government because it is like a weird private uh, it's like a, it's, it's like a weird like private company question mark yeah but I'll, I'll, yeah but it also has a like a, an oversight aspect to it as well mm-hmm. when people always talk about like audit the fed it, we've we've done that we <laughs> it's been done several times but um they, they'll also say that uh you know only three senators voted for the uh, um, for the Federal Reserve being established back in whatever year. Um, and that's partially due to the fact that in Congress, there's sort of a, a way they have um, they have a way of voting on things without being necessarily present. So if they know they're not going to be present for something, they get into contact with someone who they know will oppose and kind of cancel their mm. vote out. And if they have that secured, then they don't need to be part of the vote because it essentially doesn't count. So okay. if you aren't able to like uh, come into contact with someone who 
has an opposing vote to yours, you will need to like sit in on the actual floor vote. And in that time, uh, when they voted the Federal Reserve in, it was during a Christmas break or at the very, very like right before the, the start of a Christmas break. Uh, so there were much fewer senators there, but they had ascertained um, votes on the op- the opposition side to be able to like adequately count out their vote. So there were a, an amount of senators there who they knew didn't have an opposing vote side. So it was voted on by a much smaller Congress, but they had already taken account for what the votes in total were supposed to be. And that happens a lot like in Congress, even as it is now. So they, like if they know there's an opposing vote that's going to cancel theirs out um, and they're senior enough to kind of just get away with, you know, not being president at the vote, that's something they'll do. But, you know, if they're so, heavy, if they're senators that are heavily like opposed to a particular bill, they'll want their voices heard on the floor. Um, or if they're fully against, they'll want to be present just to be able to um, have comments made during the vote. Okay. But if you don't give a shit necessarily, and you know that you you're in contact with another senator, and you're like, oh, okay, we're we're both going to be gone. Let's make sure we're in opposition. Okay, then. I can be certain that you're not going to be there to possibly swing the vote uh, type thing. Is it, I mean, cause they don't want their side to wouldn't lose. Wouldn't it be smart then to like tell this other Senator like, Oh yeah, I'm not going to be there and then be there to get your vote. That, I mean, that double shows the chumminess. Of yeah, that's the, true. I mean, they all go the to the same sides bars in. after. So exactly. They'll, they'll talk big on the floor, but then be drinking buddies, yeah. you know, in the back, unless you're like fucking Rand Paul, and then you <laughs> and you hate everyone, and everyone hates you. Shit on everyone. <laughs> yeah, your fucking neighbors I'm beating your ass. Libertarian. Yeah. Uh, and even worse, his his dad was like a fucking idiot monster too. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we we've we've chatted a bit about Ron Paul on the show. And... Yeah, the Pauls. The Pauls. But uh. I don't know how we got into this, but we've been spending a lot of ten- uh, paying a lot of attention to the House, and uh, since the Senate kind of convened in limited numbers to uh, approve some stuff in Congress this week, we we decided to sort of peek in on them. Um, I didn't have an opportunity to really uh, go through some of the judges that were uh, confirmed earlier in the week, but I did get some interesting people um, that were. Uh, kind of Trump appointees kind of just waiting in the wings to be approved by Congress. And I'm always uh, fascinated by um, if it's not like a Supreme court justice, uh, how little people care about uh, like a point like appointees, like for like smaller, lower level judges or like uh, cabinet members that aren't necessarily the top people. Uh, no one gives a shit. And as I think you you looked up when you were looking at one of these people's confirmation speech, uh, it's real high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you sent me that, and it was it was uh, some dork shit. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, um, first I'm going to talk about a guy named um, Mitchell Silk, 
Uh, Senate confirmed him this week as uh, the Assistant Secretary of the Treasury. The secret Assistant Secretary to having a porn name. Oh, yeah. Mitchell Silk is, uh, like, it's smooth as hell. Yeah. Um, but this guy looks like a total square, so I, I'm not sure whether he ne- necessarily utilized the coolness of his name. Mm. Um, but this is the highest position a Hasidic Jew has ever held in government. Wait, really? As voted by the Senate. Huh. Yeah. He, which, on, I mean, it's pretty high, but it's only the second person at the Treasury, so it's like, eh. We could have had we Bernie. Could get him in higher. We but Bernie. it's to be said that Trump, uh, like, it's a Trump appointment. I'm not even sure if he Trump knew that this person existed, you know, <laughs> before someone told him to appoint him. Yeah. But, you know, that that's kind of standard for the lackeys down down the food chain. Um, and I'm sure this would piss off a lot of people on the fringe of Trump support. Oh, yeah. The the um, he's got a weird uh, kind of road to walk in between hardcore white nationalist KKK anti-Semites and psychotic uh evangelical zionist christians yeah i i mean that's where that's why dog whistling is so very helpful Mm -hmm. like in his position is you only have to like because if you pay like at all attention to those fucking dumb fringe like edges of the conservative party they were fucking had the biggest boners for trump like before he took office because he was saying all the right shit in yeah. very dog whistly ways. And they were just convinced that this was like, like God Emperor Trump came directly out of our, the Donald. Yeah. And that place was super fashy. Oh yeah. They, they like, thought that he was the, going to take office and like put his, like swear on a mind conf and just like do the 14 words at the camera so hard that the Obamas all died. Um, for uh, the uh, the help of people who are listening who may not know the fourteen words, do you know them by heart? Uh, no, I just know I know there's fourteen of them. I know it begins with like, we must secure a future for like white children or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, um, fuck. For yeah, for anyone who doesn't know the fourteen words are essentially what they are is like the kind of battle cry the the short pithy manifesto of the white nationalist american right uh relating to uh their aggrieved sense of uh you know of identity and and ethnicity and that they want to uh, and there's you know uh a lot of wiggle room in the words just just as there is in the uh frequently cited and other purposes that we've covered many times uh there's wiggle room in what they mean by quote unquote secure a future for the white race and its children or whatever it is that they say. Uh, yeah. When, we must secure the existence of our people yes, and a that's future for white children. So when they say that, um, as, as you probably know, uh, fascists play this game with uh, civil discourse where they will always talk to if you are a, a a normie if you are not one of them or 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 you don't uh they they don't know that you have like seen through their shit like if you're not like a leftist uh out and out then they will talk to you as though 
that just means like, well, you, you know, you don't think that like white people should be like murdered or go extinct or anything, right? Like just like there should be a place for, uh, you know, uh, people of color, there should be a place for white people on this planet, right? Like they'll, they'll do this sort of, uh, um, faux, uh, understanding like, oh, shucks kind of shit. Uh, because it gives them a cul-de-sac to sort of retreat to when they get called on being yeah. virulent racists. Uh, they say, no, 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 we don't think that we should exterminate brown people. We just want to secure a homeland for white people in the same way that, you know, uh, uh, greater Asia has homelands for Asian people. And da, 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 da. You know, they try to make this case. Uh, but when you actually get to it, like if you either sink into it with them or they see that you are uh, understand what they're actually saying and are opposed to them, then they drop that mask real quick and it's, you know, all zig heils and, and yeah, like gas the Middle East and shit. So. Yeah, it's um, and like they, they you the the things that sort of uh, clue you into things like that, then there'll be people who who like um, who will point out, oh, you know, cr there are Christians being oppressed all over the world. Um, kind of as a those are the people who've gone out into the world and who are being oppressed who came from here mm -hmm. and are out there like holding it down in the you know other parts of the world who are being oppressed by the brown people right or they're also the people who will be quick to say like oh you know uh africans were the ones who started the african uh like slave trade and Jews right. were the ones who owned the boats that shipped them to the they, united states they they really like and this is true of i think pretty universally for all uh fascist movements is they will take a piece of an underlying truth which tends to come from a, a left position where they will talk about like uh, yeah. the horrors of slavery or they will talk about the unfairness of income inequality or whatever but instead of then kind of taking it to its materialist conclusion of like you know wealth disparity and, and those power dynamics the most from this exactly they boil it down instead to it being the fault of various ethnicities and some kind of unshakable moral character of those ethnicities. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I will just go so far as to say, and it, it, it's weird because it creeps into a lot of other places. Like it, it's weird seeing prominent uh, Jewish people on the, on the far right who are very, very into like the fashy, like nation, like the, uh, ethno state. Oh thing. yeah, because like well, you, you know. have like Dennis Prager, who's super big into, um, you know, a white Christian nation. He won't say white, but a, a West Western culture. Mm -hmm. uh, a big code word for white is Western. Yes. Um, or like Michael Savage, who's like one of the most. He's like number two or three to like under Rush Limbaugh in terms of talk show people. Mm -hmm. His like big mantra is borders, language, culture. And that's like when people don't have this uh, a very good grasp on like what fascism is. And they always think of like Nazi stuff. And fascism is always just presented by a strong, a very, very strong singular leader who's charismatic and who's ba who tries to enforce an ideology that defines who 
gets the rights that are enjoyed by a particular nation. So yeah. once you start defining the people within the borders of a nation who are allowed like the most access to these rights, that's when you start slipping into fascism because exactly once you once you start having definitions that exclude people, that can turn into anywhere. And that's sort of where like ger- like Germany started with the Nationalist Socialist Party mm-hmm. and uh, the nationalist in there is what started like you, you know uh, letting that that stuff creep in as to what what won't promote the the nation of yeah. our people. There, there's um, and this is why I'm actually currently really worried about um, the potential for fascism to to really bloom under our current conditions. Is that fascism is it's populist to a degree. It chooses who gets the yeah. benefit of populism whereas like on the left generally we want everyone to have access to healthcare to housing to you know these these things that we see as as a kind of human rights and just fundamental civil goods that any uh society capable of sustaining them should offer to people uh fascists want as, as jocelyn said to uh pick who counts as quote unquote people and then give those things to them as a bribe to then uh, displace whatever their anxieties or angers exist in that society onto an undeserving non-person group. And I'm really worried about that right now because uh, the whole COVID-19 thing and the way that it is dissolving society in real time is showing up so many failures of our healthcare system, of capitalism in general, of the, the way that we have hyper-monetized everything in our lives uh, and, and that people are so precarious now that I feel like we are on a razor's edge where either the right wing is going to double down on just being self-interested ghouls and, you know, funneling money upward and then, you know, there will be some kind of big populist response where we basically have like an Arab Spring or another Occupy or something and, and you know, we get something out of that. Or some clever, you know, Tom Cotton-ass motherfucker realizes that you can buy a thousand-year Reich with Medicare for white people. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah, so that's that's what keeps me up at night lately. Yeah, it's it's tough. It, it, it's weird because I feel like so many people on the right... Um, on the face of it, don't support being exclusionary of rights. But once you start um, uh, offering it to people that they don't necessarily like, they'll yeah. find ways to exclude those. Well, it's, it's the same and stuff that undergirds uh, their love of states' rights until it is the state's right to do a thing differently than a conservative state would do it. Yeah. And I, I feel like a lot of it is just the, the inability to discern when their own rights... Um, infringe on other people's yeah and uh they they where they think it's still valid it's like oh well your your rights obviously don't extend to that point because this is impo- this is like restricting someone else's rights so i know you feel like uh, it's oppression if you aren't allowed to do this thing but you need to like be aware that you're in a society and if you continue right. to do this it's going to affect this group of people and that would that would be against our, our foundations of liberty. That's so, not what we're here for, supposedly. Two things. First, uh, yes, we I agree. We do live in a society. And two, um, 
the yeah there there's they do an equivocation where uh not being told merry christmas at starbucks is <laughs> an active oppression versus it just being like a, a negative like a removing of i would i mean you don't know what i'd call it cause it's so far from actual oppression but like that sort of thing like not being made not being catered to at all times in all ways when you're used to it for generations having that removed will feel like oppression if you're stupid which which is weird because that's only treating you neutrally yes it's not even like it's not even if you say merry christmas they'll be like I'm calling the police. <laughs> you're gonna be, <laughs> you're gonna be arrested. Talk about that Jesus shit. I mean, you may get looked at strangely because Christianity's stupid, but you know, uh, whatever. I, I ideally, I would say you, you know, shouldn't look down your nose at people just because they're stupid and believe in Jesus. But mm. you know, <laughs> is that hypocritical? It sounds hypocritical. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> look. But None of us no, ever I'm, uh, I'm, said we were I'm perfect. I'm talking people. ideal world, yeah. where, where I where I acknowledge my own bias. <laughs> All right, t- um, t- sorry. Tell me more about these appointees. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, this, this is probably going to piss off some of the more 1488 people out there. But yeah, this this is a Hasidic Jew. Um, I I always hear it spelled like sounding Hasidic, and then when I looked at the uh, spelling of it, especially in a lot of like Jewish publications. It, it looks, it, it's sort of spelled uh, Chesedich, um, which I, I'm sure has a lot to do with Yiddish pronunciation. Oh, the, the, the CH, not, the, get into it's it. like the, the ch thing, right? Yeah. Chesedich. Yeah. Uh, chutzpah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, this guy has been in, um, in the matters of, of, of finance and for a very long fucking time. <laughs> um. Silk's position uh, position holds a lot of power. It's the number two spot at the treasury, and uh, the treasury holds, you know, is pretty much the purse of Congress. Mm. So it's an important position. Um, uh, I'm not going to downplay that because I'm glad that and a lot of the publications I read were talk about how he came from not not from means necessarily, uh, although I argue like. It's still pretty decent means if you're like a poor person who's super brown. Yeah. Um, but you know he 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 he's coming. F- he's not coming from the top. He's coming from somewhere like towards the lower middle. Um, Started from the lower middle. Now we're here. And uh, yeah, uh, he was a member of uh, Allen and uh, o- Overy. I know it looks like ovaries, but it's like spelled differently. Uh, LLP. Well, technically, we're all from ovaries. Yeah, I mean, you got to admit. So this is an international law firm, which hurts my head already because I know law in the United States is complicated. And having to, like, worry about cross-border laws is a a mess. Yeah, how would they work? It's the 10th biggest law firm by revenue in the world. So I don't trust it at all. No, God, that sounds awful. That much money is not something I trust in any way, shape, or form. Um, Lawyers are already, you know, know, it's, it's a coin toss on whether they're doing good or evil. So, <laughs> right. Which is why looking into him, I was like, man, it's, <clears throat> you look at something that big and you're like that. I, 
I don't, I can't trust it, especially because it's touted everywhere as being like the 10th biggest law firm in the world, not just like in terms of size at all. They're always quick to say by revenue. So it's like, oh, hey, yeah. it's a law firm that makes like, it's number 10 in terms of raking in the dough. That that um, um that feels but, uh, to me like it is a sort of <clears throat> sidelong way of saying that they they may not be the yeah the largest by uh, <coughs> by employees but the accounts that they're handling are the real movers yeah. and shakers of the world and it, it, it which is <laughs> you know if you're working with the you're essentially working with international oligarchs so. That's scary. Yeah. Globalist. <laughs> Globalist. Um, <laughs> but uh, for the past 10 years, Silk has worked in uh, their China office, uh, and he only just returned to the United States following his nomination by Trump. Uh, while in China, he worked heavily <clears throat> in environmental law, which sort of makes me like him a little bit more. Um, what side of environmental law? <laughs> And, uh, I'm going to get to that. <clears throat> so he's not like and, uh, suing trees to have them destroyed. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was kind of sifting through a lot of his works um, being as he's been working in China. Some of the articles he's written is kind of just talking about how China's a, a glowing or a growing force internationally in terms of, um, you know, both financial power and uh, how it's uh, affecting the environment and how it's trying to yeah. kind of abate that. As we all know, like as China was starting to dump more and more money into its increasingly uh, like blended capitalist communism, yeah, uh, it 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 hasn't been the greatest in terms of being environmentally sound. But I mean, it, it's easy to point the finger at that and like the well, terrible air yeah, quality it's... in a lot of their cities. But like the United States is in no way different no, in I, terms of our mass industrialization either. Yeah. It's it, unfortunately, it seems to be the case of any, uh, nation going through its rapid industrialization is that they drastically outpace, um, their ability to keep emissions down. Uh, and it's kind of why it's unfair to expect more developing, um, nations to have to uh carry the the greater burden of of not doing um you know carbon emissions when it's like we are essentially as the richest nation in the world with a military that i think accounts for like half of all carbon emissions in the fucking planet um to tell people who are not there yet that, that don't have that wealth don't have that infrastructure that it's their job to um not have what we have uh, in order to save the world is a right. little unfair. Some some of the people on the right have picked out an Obama speech that he made when he was in um, Africa at one point, okay. where he was kind of telling them, like, they'll take the a quote out of context in his speech, but he's pretty much telling them, like, you can't have cars, you can't have air conditioners, um, like, way out of context. And really the context was, you're not like we're we're gonna try to make it so this isn't something that you need to have as the way we did in the past. Yeah, where we proliferated cars all over the fucking place. We had air conditioners that were spewing crazy freon shit into the air, and then when they broke, leak crazy shit into the um 
like the soil and stuff. Right. Like, Ideally, he was more talking about. We will have we'll put like infrastructure stuff. that takes care of this in a less individualized way. Yeah. 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 We we want the rest of the world to not make the same mistakes that the United States and then China made. Well, that's, and, I mean that I mean, should be like, the goal of uh, you know of development, right? Is is that like ideally now if you are developing a nation you don't need to put phone lines everywhere because you can just skip straight to, <coughs> to, you know, 5G or submerge fiber optic cables or whatever. <coughs> yeah. Problem is it's cheaper to pollute because the system's already in place to do that. <coughs> but that sort of comes into play here too. Yeah. Um, because, um, so Silk was... Uh, He's touting the importance of natural gas in the production of electricity. And coal's been a big problem with uh, pollution and carbon emissions like ever since we were using steam power for stuff yeah. before we were even like manipulating electricity the way we are now. Um, I mean, we fucking we managed to like turn rivers gray without even putting shit into the water just by pumping stuff into the air around it. So we're trying to find better ways to go about that. And his solution that he's pushed in a lot of his papers is natural gas. Um, it's one of the main competitors to coal in producing electricity. Um, when it's burned to produce an electric charge, natural gas uh, has a byproduct um, of about half the CO2 as coal. Um, also, it produces water vapor. So its byproduct is uh, you know, carbon dioxide and coal. Um. Uh, so you know it's 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 putting half the amount of carbon into the air, but you know <laughs> that's still half of coal, which is a fucking garbage. Yeah. Like, it's among the dirtiest things <laughs> we can do to the air. Um, remember when like so even compared to like conservative politicians kept talking about how we were going to do clean coal as though that was like a, a thing that existed it just doesn't it's just oh, you mean nothing. like trump was saying when he yeah, trump was getting elected mccain was saying it in you know yeah. prior elections like we're going to do clean coal beautiful clean coal that that isn't anything there isn't that idea that doesn't exist it's just coal yeah the most they do is like scrubbers but it like it it's, it hampers the production of electricity if yeah. you have to use scrubbers as opposed to using just an entirely different means to um, generate electricity. So it, you may as well just switch to a different form of uh, resource as opposed to like having to put pricey uh, additions onto your coal plants in order to improve their output. Um, but coal in and of itself is not clean. It's always going to produce carbon, mm -hmm. you know. It's the nature of the stuff. Um, commonly, electricity is seen as an alternative to burning petrol in order to power machinery, especially motor vehicles. Um, one thing that's often overlooked, though, is the fact that electricity doesn't uh, just come from carbon-neutral sources. <coughs> a, lot, uh, a, lot, a lot of our electricity comes from coal. Um, so as, as much as people want to believe that switching to electric everything is great, it's like we still have to charge the things that run on the electricity. And that is so often coal. And we're trying to decrease that. If only we had some kind coal. of like massive thing that was already burning all the time that we could be absorbing 
energy from for free. I mean, uh, oh, well. futurology people are always talking about um, thermal like uh, energy in terms of uh, from the Earth, um, like utilizing uh, geothermal sort of venting uh, or whatever process that brings heat out of the lower crust. But that's, that's well, sort of that doesn't make any far any sense because the Earth is hollow and the ape men and mole people would not stand for that. <laughs> large natural gas is sort of it, instead of utilizing the um the vents of natural gas it's also like burning the natural gas yeah. so it's sort of like we we took that concept and just said hey this stuff like this airflow that we thought could come out of the ground why don't we just burn that air though we're like yeah genius good idea we got to burn something <laughs> fucking air <laughs> So it's sort of like a weird uh, amalgamization of ideas. Um, How do you feel about uh, nuclear for electric generation purposes? I mean, I'm I'm not against it. I don't know as much about it, obviously, as I would uh, like, because I know it comes with a lot of dangers and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a danger of, of overheating the way that happens, you know, just off of even California's waters where we're currently being polluted by uh, fallout from um, Fukushima, I believe yep. their uh, their plant, which uh, I think partially uh, melted down. Um, but also it is relatively clean in terms of what it's doing to our atmosphere. It does produce uh, legitimately unusable, uh, <laughs> material <laughs> byproduct that, that lasts forever and uh, is horribly fatal. Yeah, and and <clears throat> they're they're always researching um like bacteria and shit that can like eat radiation. Yeah, essentially. molds and funguses um, that turn but, into you know yeah water or whatever. And uh, until that comes around, it's not going to be a perfect form of energy. Honestly, <clears throat> electric our dependence on electricity is the main problem. Um. Uh, not one that I, I really have an alternative to, but like generating electricity is a is 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 tough anyway because you you got to create kinetic energy. And for people who don't know, I know this is probably super simplistic. We generate electricity by like just spinning magnets around a copper coil, mm -hmm. essentially. So you somehow have to make those <clears throat> magnets spin around that coil. That's the way you. If you could either have hamsters doing it, it won't produce that much electricity, or you can have water spin the the um, the magnets, which we do for dams and stuff like that, or uh, inside of windmills, which just you know that spinning those blades that you see is just spinning magnets around and generating electricity. Um, in terms of coal and stuff, that that generates high pressure air, which. Um, you know, spins uh, turbines and spins the magnets. So it's really just like, how do we get magnets to spin <laughs> and give us our iPhone? See, I, I so think that we should go a, a different way and not do electricity and instead go back to uh, a series of animals that will, like, for instance, like a, you have like an elephant or like a woolly mammoth that sits outside your bathroom <laughs> and then their trunk comes in, you use that for a shower and like, your radio is like a parrot in a box and then you open the box I, and it turns to the camera and says, eh, it's a living. 
I think we should we should go back to that. Possibly the most quoted line from Flintstones. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it is a that that single gag has survived for a, a fucking long time. Oh, way past there are people actually watch that exactly movie. people that will make that gag that don't know what the Flintstones are because of just like inherited yeah. <laughs> inherited gag memory. <laughs> Um, yeah, but anyway, this, this is a long, a, a long walk away from the fact that, uh, Silk fucking loves natural gas. Um, that's, that's what he's big into. Uh, Scientific American has this to say about natural gas way back in 2015. <clears throat> Compared with coal, burning natural gas results in ha- in roughly half the amount of CO2 per megawatt hour of electricity. Yet even half the CO2, when spread over hundreds of power plants, is too much to achieve such goals as the CO2 emission reduction of 80% by 2050 or 100% by the end of this century in order to avoid more than 2% 2 degrees Celsius of global warming, more acidic oceans, inexorable sea level rise, and extreme weather, among other unpleasant impacts predicted by scientists. Under the terms of the clean power plan, the most advanced natural gas burning power plants can still emit 771 pounds of CO2 per megawatt hour of electricity produced. So they're cleaner, but they're still pumping out that shit that uh, that makes Earth uh, absorb heat. Well, <clears throat> fortunately, uh, as some conservative commentators have, have mentioned, uh, plants love CO2, so that's fine. And um, when it's warm, that just means that you can go to the beach or the river. Uh, it's nice when it's warm. And also, I've seen snow, and I've gone outside sometimes, and it's been cold, so um, answer, answer that, I guess. <laughs> Checkmate liberal. Checkmate liberals. Um, I mean, we <clears throat> liberals wouldn't be as big into this if it wasn't for the petrol industry. They're the ones who, like, uncovered... Their scientists are the ones who uncovered the danger of putting CO2 into the environment in the first place. Didn't they do it in, like, the so, 60s or 70s or something? Yeah, They've, they like, did it very fully publicly, known about this uh, forever. Yeah, and, and then uh, after uh, like various scientists started pointing this out in their own industries, they then like kind of said, "No, no, no, never mind. That was that was dumb. You're fired, scientists." Yeah, and then they started like um, producing uh, literature and think pieces and whatnot that argued the exact opposite of the thing that they actually already knew was true. For decades, <clears throat> right? Yeah. So, I mean, this this conversation wouldn't be happening if it weren't for the good people at the petroleum industry. <laughs> so, I, I feel like we're, we're we're being like gaslit on a on a huge level by the very company that like made us realize the danger in the first place. Mm. It's super confusing. Um. So anyway, um, Silk has been out there representing clients that only want to make Earth uninhabitable for humans at half speed. Um, <laughs> That's nice. And now he's kind of so it's the uh, the, the, the Democrats, the United States. Yeah, uh, but um, the fact that he has been handling um, how international company—it's it, interesting because he's been doing so much work in China. Um, like he's been there for the past decade, and a lot of his environmental like 
activity has been based around like Chinese activity, business activity over there, especially as it pertains to the region. And now he's coming over at a time where Trump's like super not fond of China, but we have this like everything about Trump's decision or what he says and then what he does is super confusing. And some people on the right would say like, oh, that's that's like the sign of a good leader that he can hold particular views and, and still like uh, listen to other people that get him to act differently. But also we're not really sure whether it's just like, oh, these are this is a guy who, you know, has been working with China, who is a Jew who I'm inviting over here and who probably will have to uh, still report to Trump. And if he wants to, to make decisions that are out of line with who this person at, at, like acted with in the past, will 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 Silk in the future like not do things that he's told to by Trump? We don't know. It's a it's a big question. Is he a Manchurian People candidate for a reason for for uh, Chinese aggression? Yeah. In- but also, like, it, it sucks because you have a guy who's been able to work his way up the food chain and doesn't want to lose this very lucrative job. Will he turn against ideals that he may have held in the past? Um, Seems pretty unlike a politician, you know. so I'm worried about it. Yeah, it's it's weird because also, despite the fact that he worked for environmental <laughs> law, whether that be you know super trying to supersede it or trying to uphold it, we we'll find out as we move forward. But he's still you know number two at the Treasury Department. We'll see whether he moves up or down. It's just sort of interesting seeing who they're getting in there. Um. So yeah, that's that's my perspective on, uh, in my opinion, sort of a neutral perspective okay. on uh, Mitchell Silk. And you you uh, said he uh, a lot of the will be the highest oh, appointed uh, person of Jewish heritage in government to date. Specifically, Hasidic Jew. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's uh, twenty twenty. Fucking crazy. As okay. Appointed by. In, in government as confirmed by the Senate. Mm, okay. Um, but that's still, like, number two to a top cabinet position. So that's it's fairly high up. So Jared Kushner still has him beat for unappointed uh, uh, shadow government appointees to or, or, yeah. or uh, selectees to go sell uh, hotel rooms. To Saudi oil barons. <clears throat> I think there was like a a theory like a while ago that Jared Kushner was actually Q. <laughs> but I think that was only like fringe, and oh. was shouted down by everyone who still thinks it's oh uh, Kennedy Jr. Oh God, that's even crazier still. Um, <laughs> was the was remember that like that article that came out that was like I work for the Trump administration and we're doing our best and it's like yes it's crazy here and uh and everyone was trying to figure out who it was because they used the word like lodestone or lodestar or something yeah and everyone was think piecing about that it's like oh here's why it's this person or that person because it's such a strange uh word to use that it's a signal that it's like that, that you know they also kind of went Q brain on it. Yeah, I, I, 
and it's weird because uh, I, I enjoyed the think pieces that were at the end going like, who cares? You're, you're yeah, like, yes, that was what that's what was important not, is you aren't succeeding. You're still abetting an absolutely ghoulish administration. Nothing you've done worked. So either hit that man in the head with a fire extinguisher or quit. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a shitty position to either like give the reins up to like garbage people or like try to stay the course. I don't. I mean, the idealist in me would just be like, burn your office down. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's like you're you have one neutral choice and one moral choice. The neutral choice is quit and write a scathing tell-all. The moral choice is uh, burn down your place of work. Yeah. I mean, that's what early suffragettes did in Britain is, like, they would burn down public buildings to make a point. For real? Which I always thought was cool. Like, you're not that you're not attacking what? businesses per se. You're, you're like, uh, breaking windows of, of uh, you know, government buildings Mm -hmm. and burning down you know other important uh like cogs in the governmental machine to make a point that's pretty good i like that yeah exactly um but you know whatever it'd be like like although i'm not against smashing yeah it also fuck up a bank or starbucks whatever they're essentially the 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 fifth branch of the government anyway yeah Um, because I consider journalism the, the fourth brand. They were the fourth estate for quite a while, and now they are kind of just the propaganda wing. <laughs> just kind of... I'm I'm always going, uh, being as I went to school for journalism, uh, you learn a lot about the history of journalism mm-hmm. in the United States, and it's always been like this. I don't know, uh, like looking at the history, you you see that there have always been. Uh, publications who were entirely owned and like pumped out publications, like even pre like colonial, there were uh, like publications that were owned by like federalists. There were publications that were owned by people who supported the crown. And it was just like sort of a, a, a propaganda mill. Even back then, it's always been like that. And then there's been smaller ones who kind of were trying to, you know, fight the system as it was, uh, presented by you know against both those sides, and it sort of sort of still goes on now. Well, that's sort of like how it's always been. How we fringe people who we're um, com- the, our podcast here is completely uh, f- uh, funded by and a project of the uh, the, the Whig Party, uh, the smaller yeah. sort of uh, uh, cloister of power they have within the CIA. Right. Exactly. And I, I find it very strange that uh, George Soros is so, like, putting money into them. But I guess he wants to diversify his investments. So yeah, well, it's, it's like, a, it you know, what Putin's sense. been doing with the whole, like, managed opposition thing. where You just fund every single side so no <laughs> one can trust anything. Uh-huh. Daddy Putin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want... If uh, he weren't such a terrifying like autocrat, Putin just... It just sounds like farting. It's like a cute cat fart. Yeah, he's, it he's does. Putin. 
Yeah, he he has like one of the most banal uh, first names, and then like uh, just a funny last name. Right, and like like when you think of uh, of a of a Russian first name, Vlad is is one that definitely. Yeah, it's fairly fairly anodyne. If he he would be. I mean, to be fair, Trump's middle name is John, so we still got it on our end too. Uh, Wait, Don. His name is Don John Trump. Yeah, that's weird. Donald John Trump. Yep, not not too uh, not too appealing unless you uh, think he's some sort of god emperor. <laughs> Do you, does he, does um, he still have the 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 god emperor contingent, or have they all pretty much like? Did they move on to Yang and then just get depressed? I mean, I I feel like uh, it it surged a little bit now that we're in a an election cycle to probably increase a little bit more uh it all just seems like hero we're like it's also ironic but also like there are books that are like talk about the irony of the fascist right in nazi germany mm-hmm. too they 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 relied on on like joking about certain things a lot as well when they were first coming up yeah this is um you know We've sort of been inculcated with this idea through years and years and years of movies and TV shows with like in video games with you know really scary serious Nazis who are all like you know gorgeous Aryan Ubermensch in leather. It, it's kind of unfortunate that we have done that in movies so much. Like I get why because it makes them look like an intimidating villain, but you look at like actual pictures of most Nazis and. Leather trench coat was like all they had going for them. They looked like any other goober ass yokel that was uh, drafted into a nationalist army. <clears throat> but I think that there's this idea that like fascism and Nazism had some kind of coherent point to make. That it that was like a real political um, movement with an underlying ethos that made sense because how could it not? It's a political movement that's guiding an entire nation, but it doesn't. It like it never did. If you look at any of the constituent parts of they're they're all ridiculous on their face. And it's just sort of yeah. uh fascism becomes this is why I think it's often called like the aestheticization of politics, because it's it's an accretion of all of these uh myths about others and ourselves that are comforting to believe uh but they all already exist and so many of them are, are mutually exclusive so they just they're incoherent from the start yeah and to be fair i feel like a lot of these stoic like mili- militant military like uh prism we put on nazis mm-hmm. um comes in large part from American propaganda. Yeah. What we were basing that on was um, the Prussian, like, stoicism that existed before, like, what we see as modern Germany. Yeah. And Prussian Prussian culture was a lot like um, Sparta, uh, like Sparta, because they were very militaristic. They were kind of renowned as some of the, the most um, uh, wise and respectable military leaders would come out of uh Prussian military like institutions so they they had a long long history of being 
just like very very uh, formidable military minds. Yeah, and I feel like that got pushed on Germany a lot, even though Hitler was garbage at military planning and was a dork who loved American westerns and carried around a fucking <laughs> yeah. bullwhip all the time. Like he, so he was a cool. big dorkus, and so he like. He needed the the old guard of like people trained in the Prussian way around him to keep like keep up the standards. But uh, America sort of still saw the old Prussian. Like, Can you imagine spike headed if Donald Trump like just carried a fucking like katana around everywhere? Like that's what we're dealing with. I sort of see his tie as his power move. Mm, that's his bullwhip. Yeah, because he's he's a big tall guy. He he has this big long tie. Uh, he's got this big hair. He just he he physical largeness is his thing. Yeah. Yeah, and he he does like, have a up. weird tendency to like anything that is l- large is just interesting and good to him in a vacuum like he'll describe like the death toll for a hurricane or you know the amount of people who have a disease and like we're seeing very big numbers the biggest we've ever seen really impressive and it's like he just likes big things he just likes them to be larger yeah huge he loves it to be huge uh with someone saying this is the largest hurricane we've ever seen it's huge Uh uh-huh it's big and impressive Mm mm-hmm so you know that that seems to be his his uh, staple. Anyway, I wanna I wanna jump into Jack Bobbit here real quick, and then we can do a couple silly things to uh, end off. But um, for some odd reason, I got really into <laughs> in, investigating John Bobbit. I I, I think part of this confirmed. may be because I mentioned that I was having a really hard time researching him because he shares a name with a much more famous guy who's more interesting because he got his wiener chopped off. Uh, it was all over yeah. the, the the stories in the 90s. Was it 90s, right? 90s? Um, I, I guess. Maybe I 80s, so. I don't know. But uh, so most of the stuff that I was looking up was coming up with like, John Bobbin, what's he up to now? Does Nick work? Um, and to be fair, that... That that is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the majority of what you see. If you that's be, that, uh, and he he just uh, anyway. I, I'm going to introduce him properly. He was just uh, confirmed as um, uh, let's see here, John, uh, also known as Jack Bobbitt, um, was uh, confirmed as the uh, assistant secretary for housing and urban development. So uh, he's like. Under um, Ben Carson's Carson, yeah. rule right now, uh, good old uh, I'm sorry, Doctor Ben <laughs> Carson, uh, who's who's uh, in control of housing in the United States right now, um, and uh, this is the nerdiest like position I think I've ever seen filled. Okay, uh, this guy, yeah. And, <laughs> Like, just working my way backwards in his uh, history, like, I I went and straight up found his LinkedIn, (laughs) which 
Yeah. Which isn't something I've ever done with any political person yet. But since he comes out of like a lot of public or private sector stuff, it's just something he's, I guess he's maintained. Are you um, internet stalking your new crush? So, yes. Uh, um, like it, it's it's funny because he just got confirmed, and it is now. Uh, if you go to his, in, in fact, he's LinkedIn.com slash in slash Jack Bobbitt on LinkedIn. Um. I'm not sure if this is actually him. There's no way for me to really ascertain that. Um, you know, stuff like this can be set up by randos, so I'm not going to say this is absolutely him. But it does have a very accurate, from what I can tell, um, rundown of his experience. You know, Jack B. That's what he's listed as here. Jack B. Uh, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Operations at Department of Housing and Urban Development. Um. So he got that and changed it very quickly on his LinkedIn profile. If that doesn't give you an indication of how dorky this guy is, <laughs> I don't know what else will. Um, but I, I read a bunch of stuff like, oh, this is all this, the stuff he'd done. And they'd sort of like gloss over some of his early years at like working in tech and whatnot. And I'm like, ooh, what are they hiding? And it doesn't seem like they're hiding anything. He's just super boring. <laughs> he was... Uh, Director of Marketing from 87 to 96 at CompuCom. Oh, my God. So. Is that a real name? And CompuCom is. Yeah, exactly. It's such a uh, first uh, tech bubble type name. Yeah. Like, now it's like, um, you know, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're going to make a name out of an existing word, but take out the vowels. <laughs> Back then, it, they just wanted to sound like big and fancy with CompuCom. We are uh, definitely WebNet. Sort of stuff that, yeah, <laughs> very. Uh, it just sounded like it should be in a Terminator movie. <laughs> um, but uh, they're pretty much just. And I hate companies like this because it's always super. It's stuff that only makes sense to people who have to manage big companies it's a technology solutions company i see that term so, so often what the fuck does that mean it's pretty much just tech infrastructure it's like hey you need technology to sort of organize your company like you need a a uh, an email system set up that connects all of your people on a on a server or you need an it department that oversees uh, all of the, and is able to integrate new technologies that you may need. So it, it's just infrastructure. It's just technology infrastructure. It's it's like the physical side of building a really good program. Okay. So instead of building a program, you're building the the physical means of like being able to handle your handle stuff, not just using paper. Okay. So that's pretty much it. I I, I hate it. It is always vague. It, even me explaining it, I'm like, it makes sense right now in my mind, but if I had to try to implement such a thing, I'd be like, I don't know. It, it's it's vague. I don't know. Just use the fucking Google so Suite or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially, yeah, it, it, if you wanted your own version of a Google Suite, this is, these are the people you would talk to. Um, because a lot of times you, you kind of do have to do it that way because businesses be unique. But yeah, he, was, he, he did that for, you know, what's this, like over a decade. Almost a decade. I'm bad at numbers. <laughs> um, then, then he was pr 
president at Knowledge Lab oh, Network Systems. What? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, stop making up uh, company names. I <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. What's it say here? For uh, troubleshooting poorly performing national global networks, re re commenting improvements to hardware servers, operating systems, and applications. Use simulation to predict future performance, at, which is unique as the time. It's it's more just infrastructure stuff. This you know, guy, God, God bless managing whoever it is in the world. People that sees that career and is like, fuck yeah, I love optimizing that shit. Like, I'm excited. And that, like, makes that all possible. Because I know, I'm sure it's important. Like, I, I know that's needed. But just hearing yeah. those words glazes my eyes over. Like, I enter a cocoon just waiting for them right. to end. And it makes... It makes sense that someone like this would move into government yeah. because it's it, like government and health care are like two of the most labyrinthine uh, systems mm -hmm. out there because they're just it, it has to be. It handles a lot of people with a lot of different problems. So, like, I get the necessity of it, but it's it's obnoxious to have to go through. Um, so, yeah, he was president of Knowledge Lab Software Incorporated from 2001 to 2005. And then he was a. So this is where it starts to get interesting. Lead advanced representative for the White House. Um, now, I had to look up what uh, lead advanced representatives are. Um, so he, he worked in this position uh, to some degree from 1984 to 2008. So he's coming and going. But I hear he worked, like from what I looked at, he worked a lot with the Bushes. Um, and lead advanced reps pretty much plan out the logistics for when the president does stuff that okay. like goes somewhere. So if he's moving outside of his bubble of the white house um, and you, you need to interface with where he's going to be the, this little department, the lead advanced like representatives are who lube the wheels of, of the president going. So like if a lot of shit, needs if to you have seen the devil wears Prada, then the job that Anne Hathaway had of just like, making an important person's movement around the world frictionless. Yep. That is essentially, he, he was a glorified personal assistant. Um, who, who may not even have gotten to work directly with the president. So, you know, he, so he's good at making shit run smoothly. That's his thing. Um, then he worked for the federal housing administration um. Uh, so he's sort he's been adjacent to uh HUD for a while, but sort of in a different wing. Um, and then he returned to president of Knowledge Lab Consulting, and then he um, <clears throat> then he became vice president and uh, chief operational officer. Makes sense. He's good at operations. Mm -hmm. At Universal Safety and Security Solutions Incorporated. Another one of these just like yeah. names that are made from pulling words out of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's funny because it, a lot of when I would see articles about him, it was just like, oh, he worked in tech or he worked at startups. And startup to <clears throat> me obviously means something very different than what it meant in the early 90s. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but even, yeah, so, so like, you know, 
this is more replacing the like modern uh, tech companies are replacing service industry, whereas I feel like back then it was replacing the secretarial industry, or at least changing it dramatically. Because mm. that's what like updating these operational <coughs> systems is just like uh, computing what secretaries do. Because they would have to run over to another department, talk to that secretary, so things can be organized properly. And it's sort of uh, phasing that out to a certain yeah. degree. And now he's at Urban, de uh, Urban Development. And I kind of looked at the like chain of command for HUD. Um, so you got like uh, um, the doctor up at the top, and then looks like seven main branches. Um, some of them sound super cool, like... Um, you know, single-family housing uh, department, uh, department for military housing, department for financial support, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So Abbott is moving into, like, the top dog at um, operations department <laughs> at HUD. So he's exactly where he needs to be. <laughs> um, just, like, he, he's, he's an uber nerd for operations. I, I read um, the... Uh... I think it was him. You, you sent me his like mission statement or, or whatever. Uh, it's from like 98. Yeah. And, and yeah, the whole thing reads like, uh, oh God, how would I describe it? Like, like it had been, imagine a human centipede, but each link in the centipede <laughs> was an HR department. And, like, it had passed <laughs> through all of those digestive systems. Then out the other side came, like, I'm excited for the key contributions that I can make to the optimization of teams and management. My management philosophy is, is just, like, oh, boy, <laughs> you, you must be great at your job because you're not good at making me care about this. Super. To continue... I think um, what I didn't really get into is like the politics of this guy because it's not really easy to find out. Um, I'm guessing since he's been in private business a lot, he's super cool with uh, business and shit. Um, probably leaning more to a, a, a you know loving tax breaks for companies and whatnot yeah but, you know in terms of that it's not super easy to figure figure this chap out um being as it's just been in like departmental ops it's pretty neutral it's just efficiency <laughs> so I, I i can't really tell which way i'm landing on this guy but it, it was interesting looking into him um and his boring ass life Like, as you were pointing out with his fucking uh, speech to Congress, um, it's just, it's, it, it's, it, <laughs> it's weird how sometimes uh, you think of, like, congressional, when you speak to Congress, it's like an, an impassioned, uh, you know, speech. But this just sounds like he's reading his resume. Yeah, it really does. Or his cover letter. Yeah. Uh, I mean... One thing, you know, you can glean from this, uh, he's a kid of a veteran, um, 
which always makes me worried because if people are too in, into the military, I get, you know, worried. Um, but, you know, he's thanks a lot of his family. He talks about his long public service, which is boring as shit. Uh, and then he gets into listing uh, <laughs> in, in true resume form, uh, you know, the uh, things like, I will implement a culture set of core values as yes, well as a yeah, that exactly, employee training program. That is the shit I was talking about. Where it's just like, this is oatmeal. This is nothing. Yeah. I, I love that his gu- like guiding philosophy is like, I will focus on improving the hiring pro- process by working to decrease the time it takes to hire and reduce the risks associated with critical vacancies. <laughs> like... Yeah, that's, I mean, I, ideally that's what what we it, it, it's baseline shit, but like that's I guess what you want from an operation. Yeah, like, and you know, on top of that, like we can't take that shit for granted anymore. How long have we now been going literally without a state department? <laughs> I mean, but this is, I mean, at least this is for a like branch of the government that directly affects like people who are in need yeah too like this is the I, I, housing i hope this dude has a soul basically yeah we, we can only hope but also i you know it it's it's tough to tell um yeah it is it, this guy is if you're right is a bowl of oatmeal now really just you know does he have any fillings are they evil or are they kind uh huh. Are there raisins in this, or is it just butter and salt? Wait, which one of those is evil um, to you? Which one is kind? I like all that stuff. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I uh, I I think grits are much better than oatmeal. Well, so I, I don't really, yeah, I mean, I, I was given oatmeal a lot as a kid, and I hate it. Yeah. Have you had I fucking, uh, I, fucking what is it? Um, the the not flat ones, the like steel steel cut oats. They're way way better. They just take like half an hour to cook, though. I mean, I, I don't know, and I, I'm uninterested. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that's all I have to say about that. Oats are boring. I, I associate oatmeal as either being too clumpy or too dry because my mother was terrible at it, probably because she had to work all the time and had to make sure a child got to school on time, but I still got breakfast in the morning. She could, why not just give you a mom still managed to like, just give you a dry packet to eat with your hands on the bus. Oh, heavens. No, my, my mother is all about from scratch. Mm. No dry, dry packet to yeah. eat like a bag of chips. And then for lunch, a dry uncooked bag of ramen. Although I ha- I have to say, uh, boomers have a weird impression of uh, what from scratch means. Because yes. I do a lot of cooking, so I do a lot of like scouring um, like Pinterest and other places mm-hmm. that have recipes and stuff. <clears throat> and from scratch seems to involve a lot of like get a can yes, of this. Yes, I was going to say, it, like uh, dump a <laughs> can of uh, uh, cream of mushroom soup all over these noodles and throw it in the oven. It is now, <laughs> that was from scratch. And, uh, and I literally have to cook for people where I have to make it from base pro- yeah. products. Yeah, get sure cream, like, get mushrooms. Uh, allergens. Yeah. So if I'm saying I want to find how to fucking find, make baked beans, I don't want a can of baked beans to be in this <laughs> recipe. 
to, to cook baked if beans. I, if I want to make a can of baked beans. Well, it, it was like uh, buy a can of baked beans and then you're adding this other stuff to it to kind of make like, you know, a, a different recipe of baked beans. Yeah. But it's like, no, I want to bake, bake the beans some beans, so, please. Like, get me from dry bean to the finished product, please. <laughs> or I just tried to make ran ranch and like they gave me a bunch of ingredients and also a packet of Hidden Valley Ranch uh, mix as an ingredient and i'm like no give me the the fucking flavor now, what are the seasonings that go into this goddamn ranch i actually had for the first yeah. time ever like you know i i can take or leave ranch it's, it's it's like the de facto overused white people food goop um yeah but and so i kind of had you know it hadn't been on my radar for quite a while but i was at a restaurant a couple years ago that made yeah, um uh, fried chicken and it came with house made ranch like they got all of the I think possibly even grew all of the seasonings and put it together and like made the ranch yeah. there and I was like the, the things that I thought was ranch prior to this no they're nothing they're <laughs> trash ranch is actually good I yep. just had never had it before yeah it's it, it, it's fun when you uh when you can actually get it. I I was trying to make um uh like hit, uh what is it? What's that s stupid uh Outback Steakhouse. My partner is very fond of their r ranch recipe, so I had to like find that and try to figure out how to uh kind of do it myself. And it was uh it was fun. Uh, aside from the fact that I had to wade through everyone wanting me to use uh, ran ranch mix. <laughs> no, god damn it. I'm like, no. All right. I want to make this, and I don't need your help. Well, I do, but I don't need Hidden don't Valley's need that help. kind of help. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that's our, 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 our talk on appointees. Uh, I want to dig into judges, as I said later, but they're, they're going to take a lot of time. And uh, I, I didn't feel like talking about evil people this week. <laughs> and I, I just have a feeling that Trump judges oh, are going to be good people. They're, they're going to be Cenobites. <laughs> they're going to be yeah. Clive Barker-esque demons. One of, one of oh, them no. might just be like an actual werewolf or like a xenomorph or something. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Um, but uh, let, let's also, uh, I want to end out the um, episode by, let's let's play play a little game with the um, congress.gov website. Um, let's see here. So they have a they have a very good system of uh, categorizing the various bills in Congress, but also um, uh, I find that it 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 can get like I'll be hunting for something that I want to find and I'll get like oddly enough it's a lot like Google I'll I'll type in what I think is going to be nine and I'm going to get I get some crazy ass fucking like things that Congress people bring to the floor. So in in, in a very um, if you've ever been to an improv show, they'll sometimes ask for uh, words from the audience. And uh, Devin, can you please give me? Um, we're gonna say I'm gonna say an occupation. 
and I'm going to type it into uh, the Congress website, and I'm going to see if I get any fun bills that pop up. Okay, an occupation. I haven't thought of a name for this. Um, uh, whose bill is this anyway? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Like> you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 just absolutely stopped me dead in my tracks. Okay, you want you wanted what, what am I even doing? You wanted a uh, an occupation. You wanted the name the name of a job. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, how about entrepreneur? No, that's too easy. Oh, <laughs> it is. There's definitely um, gonna be shit that people. Have okay. Uh, how about? I love it. Art restorer, art restoration, person who restores old art. All right. Okay. All right. So this is a good example of you think you're going to get one thing and you get something radically different. So, and wow, it's so modern too. Uh, uh, I kind of want to uh, filter this in terms of like the oldest showing up mm-hmm. first, but here's something that showed up just in the past year. Uh, Senate resolution 271. Wow. The Senate's the one, uh, a resolution designating July 12th, 2019 as collector car appreciation day. <laughs> recognizing that the collection and, <laughs> and restoration of historic and classic cars is an important part of preserving the technological achievements and cultural heritage of the United States. Hell yeah, brother. Hell, can you believe that this was sponsored by Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, Republican? What what year? Oh my god, this actually got agreed to in the Senate. <laughs> the Senate resolved to to see July 12th of 2019 is Collector Car Appreciation Day. God damn it. Oh, I wonder if that's where some of these like weird random, like today is a uh, rainbow unicorn cookie day. Oh, like I where this shit comes from. Sort, like, yeah. If shit like that comes from like just random senators being like wasting our time. Oh no. By is, uh, suggesting. Is this the, like the this. dark future that comes after a binding resolution? <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Wow. That's 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 impressive shit. Good thing that they're doing this with their time. All right. Um. Let's see here. Uh. Nate, give me an animal. Ooh. I'm gonna see if animals will work with an this. animal. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. How about a an elk? Okay. Elk. <clears throat> All right. Oh, I only got five this time. Wait a second. Okay. Let's see here. <sighs> None of these are very fun. Uh, what about a Kabimara? I mean, ooh. Someone, some no results. Oh, I was hoping. I'm not surprised. It's not something that's necessarily native to the United States. I was hoping that we were going to get something about like um, having copybars as pets, and someone either being very for or very against. <laughs> Ooh, let's kick. Let's kick the hoarding's nest. Look up pit bulls. 
Oh, yeah. Well, the the thing is, this is um, congress.gov, so it's on the federal level. If this was, like, Florida's Congress, mm-hmm. we would get some crazy random mm-hmm. shit. All right, so what did you say? Your suggestion was Look up pit bulls. Let's see what... Pit bull. It's going to be a, a fertile field here. All right. So, from the, the search of Pitbull, I get um, Carl Levin and Howard P. Book McKeon National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2015. I don't know what this has to do with, with Pitbulls. Pitbull. Okay. Defense Authorization Act. Does this have? Are we training military Pitbulls? Are we putting guns on Pitbulls? Oh my God, that would be amazing. the perfect killing machine. Oh, all right. They so could tear. They could tear apart a child at any range. To my mind, <laughs> a random thing came to my mind, hmm. and that was just uh, fireworks. Okay. Just I just tossed that in there. So there's House Resolution five thirty six. Uh, this was uh, presented by Representative Mark Green, a Republican from Tennessee, the seventh district. Um, so HR five thirty six says. Strongly condemning the violent actions of Antifa and recognizing, <laughs> recognizing that it engages in domestic terrorism. Oh goodness! Oh boy! Yeah, it's it's funny that it's accusing Antifa of domestic terrorism um, when uh, I don't really. Hey, uh, can, can, can you uh, clear for me what's uh, what's Antifa's body count? Is it is it zero? Right? It's still zero. That's weird. All right. Yeah, well, it's zero. The, the only time I've seen them carrying guns was at that gun rally in uh, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania or something. But everyone was carrying yeah, guns. Yeah, it, it was a gun rally. <laughs> yeah, it was a gun rally. And there is definitely uh, leftists who support gun rights. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, I think the only violent thing that um, I've seen Antifa-wise is like... That one of that dude throwing a smoke bomb that was fired at him by yeah. the police. <laughs> Terrible antifa so terrorist throwing, violence. Yeah, so throwing bat, and I'm sure there's been violent people at protests. I'm not gonna go out so far as to say that. And as someone who's had um, some interaction with uh, people associated with uh, antifa or black bloc, a lot of it is. Um, like a lot of it is prep type stuff. So it's, it's being prepared for violence, especially as it uh, comes in from the other side. And it's always in conjunction with um, uh, parts of any demonstration or community that uh, has set up um, systems to kind of uh, compensate for any violent action that happens. So in the organiza- like organizational structures that I've seen, uh, there are people that definitely are designated as, you know, muscle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they are quick to um, kind of take action away from people who are more vulnerable. Um, yeah, they, they, they can, uh, they can provoke aware. aggro and tank uh, while the healers... Um, work on on the debuffs that people who got hit with like pepper spray and stuff uh are undergoing yeah. 
and there, there are systems set up for people to be able to administer first aid. Anytime you see an Antifa organization, they definitely have uh, on the ground uh, medics who generally provide aid in uh, most demonstrations. Um, they uh, are usually connected with a lawyer or two before a demonstration who can, um, uh, like, th they're, they're always quick to say, like, uh, write lawyer numbers somewhere on your body yeah um that way you can reference it when you're in prison they have it's it, it's organized in a sense that it's community so while there are people in antifa who definitely want to spur action that may tend towards violence uh by and large it's a group of people who want to um oppose uh, authoritarian rule and in demonstrations who have um the uh the best uh want the best for the the community at large in fact there's usually a um uh there's like tiered ranks of a lot of anti-fascist uh networks when it comes to a demonstration or like a protest or something mm -hmm. so you'll have people who want to be more engaged in like something that's possibly more violent um they will be made aware of the people who don't want to be part of that and be asked to keep their activities away from these particular people in the Antifa like community. Um, in this demonstration, they generally set up uh, mediators who will interact with police. So um, people who are more scared of police or people who don't do well with talking to authority don't have to interact with the police. Uh, intermediaries do. They'll talk to the police. The police will tell them what the issue in the demonstration is. They'll then talk to people who are, uh, you know, essentially getting the whole crew in trouble and try to get them to stop or to move away and not be near that situation. So it, it, it's an organization that always is made to sound <coughs> super, super uh, evil and radical, but all they're doing is just wanting to oppose uh you know rules that uh you know as we said before keep uh marginalized communities uh outside of rights yeah if you listen to the news they make antifa sound like isis when really it's like yeah it is people generally who come out in peaceful protest and then the burlier members will stand in front of the people who want to do the more peaceful stuff so that the fascists that show up can't twist their heads off like a bottle cap. Yeah. And a lot of times, uh, what, what I feel like what really they're against is reactionary, mm -hmm. um, leftists. And in, in that way, black block is much, a much better punching bag, to be honest, because they're, they're explicitly out there to, um, burn dumpsters, you know, Burn dumpsters, punch Nazis, um, make them feel physically unsafe yeah. uh, presenting <clears throat> their ideas in a country that supports liberty. Yeah. And Aggressively deplatforming. Yep, exactly. It, it's weird how, how I, ne I, I rarely hear about Black Bloc from like the, the far right. And I'm like, they, they're, they're, they should be the ones that you want to point out. But if you start talking about Antifa in the name, you're already not doing well for your side if you yeah. are against a I I saw like someone anti-fascist group I, I was arguing stupidly with some 
uh, reactionary dude on Facebook. Never do it. Always a bad idea. But uh, a waste of time. But I was looking at their wall, and in their bio it said that they were anti anti fascist. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if you totally understand how double negatives work here, bud. <laughs> I think you're telling on yourself a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But anyway, I feel like we've run long, and I want to I want to stop for a little fun thing there. But I'm gonna try to think of some um, uh, like little one or two liners that I want to enter in as as future fun. Yeah. Um, whose bill is this anyway? Segments. Okay. I like it. I'll try to think yeah. of some stuff. It's 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 a good name. <laughs> We're gonna All get right. sued by Drew um, Carey. Oh god. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think, and uh, Greg Proopst. Oh yeah. I was trying to think of those other uh, Who's Line people off the top of my head. We'd never get sued by Colin Mockery because he's an angel. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening to this fairly long episode. I feel like we, we talked about a lot more than just the, the dry. Yeah, stuff. we were all over the place we, this time. We, we leaned. Yeah, we leaned into our anti-fascist end, and I feel like that's it's good enough to talk about. I think so. I, well, yeah, I actually am glad that we sort of... Uh, uh, talked about a few, uh, um, or at least our perspectives on a few definitional things, uh, so that people understand where we're coming from. When we talk about um, fascism or anti-fascism, when we talk about reactionaries and, and left stuff, uh, now they kind of know at least our um, what we understand those things to be. And uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't say that like they are the 100% uh, gospel truth only version of a way to interpret that stuff. But this is, this is where we're coming from. Yeah. 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 We're, we're like, uh, uh, if I had to really sum up our like combined uh, political affiliation, it would be um, anti-fash tea partiers. <laughs> I feel like that that sums us up pretty well. We love tea. I am drinking tea. We love parties right now. See, and we love anti-fascism. So, all of those things really define us. But um, that's it for this week. We'll we'll fucking let you go. I may even split this this one up into a couple. Yeah. Well, um, it's making up we'll, for we'll our super short one last time. Yeah. And so, uh, but we'll 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 be back. Uh, very very soon um i think we'll we'll just start pumping these out sunday the lord's day um Uh, to let god know that uh, just because he rested doesn't mean we're going to because we're not lazy pieces of shit (laughs) we're always stay on that grind uh fuck god yeah yeah fuck god so until next week uh may the lord be with you all keep creeping creepers oh yeah i forgot it